You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. What's up, everybody? Welcome to this episode and thank you so much for tuning in. As always, I super appreciate it. Every download matters over here and I thank you so much for choosing to spend a little time with me. Just some quick house cleaning before we get into this week's episode. Mainly, I want to talk about more content for you. So if you like the podcast and you like this whole guitar thing, you might get a kick out of what I've been doing over on YouTube. I just wrapped up a 30 videos in 30 days challenge and well, let's just say I didn't quite complete it in the way that I wanted to. So if you want to go check out my latest video, it's over there on YouTube. I'll put the link in the show notes. If you search the Tone Mob, the channel will definitely come up. It's pretty easy to find. So just go there, check out that video. Basically, I didn't quite complete the challenge. And I talk about what I learned along the way and what I plan to do moving forward on that platform. Huge shout out to everybody that's been supporting me over there. It's a tiny, tiny, little itty bitty channel, but there's a ton of interaction on it. And that is very encouraging and helps keep me going. Much like when you send me emails or reviews or anything on the podcast, any interaction I get really is helpful. And I guess while we're plugging different content platforms, don't forget to follow me on Instagram at the Tone Mob. Don't forget about the Facebook group. There's a Facebook group attached to this podcast called The Tone Mob. You can join it. It's a private group. Just make sure you answer the questions when you request to join so we know you are not a robot. Come join us. It's a good time over there. Okay, before we get started on this episode, I want to give everybody a little bit of a heads up. This one dives into some political issues. Now, it's not a heavy political thing. It's not diving into any deep, heavy topics that are difficult to discuss or anything like that, but it does discuss some political issues that directly impact working musicians, creative types, and independent contractors of all sorts. I brought Sean on to talk about this because he has been paying very close attention to how it's impacting him and others in his home state, and now a similar bill is on the books to roll out nationally. And by nationally, I of course mean the United States, which is where the bulk of this audience is, so I understand this may not be of too much interest to my international listeners, so apologies for that, but there are a lot of people based in the States that listen to this podcast that could be impacted by this, and the main thing we want to drive home is do some research on the PRO Act and how it might impact you. A lot of us are not thinking about this stuff. There is so much being thrown at us 24-7 and so many issues and so many things to try to focus on. These things can breeze right by you and be written into law without you even realizing it until it's too late. So go do some research on the PRO Act. Figure out what it means for you. If you like it, if you don't like it, don't just take our word for it. Go do your research. Figure it out. I just think this is really important. There are a lot of musicians and independent contractors and people like myself and Sean who could be impacted by this negatively. And again, I said this in the episode, but I don't think that's intentional but it is a problem. And so we need to all come together and try to figure out if this is really 
the best way forward as a country for this particular set of issues. So check out the PRO Act, do some Googling, try to figure it out. And that is the main takeaway that I think people should have from this episode. So without further ado, let's get into this. We talk about Sean's backstory, which I find very interesting, and we get into the Pro Act stuff later. So let's uh, let's uh, get into the episode. Why not? Let's get started. All right. Boom. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Tone Mob Podcast, the show about guitar stuff occasionally. I'm your host, Blake Wyland, and with me today, I have Sean Pierce Johnson from Ooh. Lots of Things. Yes, lots indeed. Of things. <laughs> indeed, lots of things. How's it going, buddy? Good, man. Good, man. We are way overdue to be doing this, but at the same time, with uh, the topics at hand, it's maybe for the best that it, it finally took, you know, it took this long to actually happen. So here we Perhaps. are. Perhaps it is. It's it's weird because, like you say, maybe this is overdue because we've run in the same circles for so many years that you would have thought that this would have happened by now. But, uh, well, some of the deeper topics we'll get into today, I guess, are my cross to bear for the moment. So <laughs> I, I suppose that, uh, well, timing is everything. And here we I are. I suppose so. I suppose <laughs> so. Yes. Well, we'll start with with when we first crossed paths. So from from my perspective, this is how I remember it. And this is kind of funny because I had a similar conversation on the episode that just dropped with Dan from Old Blood. Oh, but nice. basically, I I headed to my first NAM. I had been doing internet guitar stuff for just, you know, a brief, I don't, a seemingly brief period at that point, maybe like a little less than a year somewhere in that ballpark. Mm-hmm. And the very first thing we did, or that me and the, the dudes with me did, my good friend Jess and Leon, oh, we, yes. we went to the Old Blood Noise like Coffee and Riffs meetup. That's we, we literally landed, we were picked up from the airport, and we drove straight there. Was that and, the first time that we met and your first NAM? Mm-hmm. Indeed. Oh, okay. I remember that night. That was a... Oh, you, you continue your story, but I'm just I'm flashing back to that. And that was a rough weekend. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I mean, I was I did all right, but I, I don't know. It was a fun time. I had a good time. It was it was interesting because I was just like, OK, here's all these people that I, I don't really know. Like I've talked to a handful of them here and there. I think the podcast had just barely started and you know, the whole coffee and riffs thing that, you know, I was one of the first people to like play a part and they originally were like play in whatever key and we're going to like layer on top of it. So I just did some like really dumb, like droney things. And that's not, and I figured like people would play over it. And, uh, that's not really what happened. Uh, no, it's <laughs> <but> not. <laughs> so my clip's really boring. It's, it's just me just wow, 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 wow. But this is why I remember you so well, because this is the first time I ever heard anything from you. You got up to do your part, and I was like, whoa, what is this? This is wild. Like, And it ended up being my favorite of the night, and it was really, really cool. And that's what stands out from my memory of meeting you for the very first time. That and you and I... I don't know if she was your wife at the time or not, because this was years ago, but uh, she, you guys were like, you're from Portland and you seem normal. Normal. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh yes, that's that's awesome, man. Well, first so that's, off, that's my I, memory. That's anyway. great. It, it that makes me feel really good because it, it was a uh, for me that weekend. I do remember that night, and it was a lot of fun. But it was such a rough weekend, and yeah, she was my wife at the time. So my wife, she was. Uh boy. 2015 into 2016 was a was a hell of a time man uh my house <laughs> had been flooded uh on halloween night so like 90 percent of the house that i'm living in right now was completely destroyed uh and we were staying up in la and we had just gotten back from a trip to pennsylvania because sadly my father-in-law had passed away uh earlier in the in the month right before nam and we spent, you know, 30 some odd hours trying to get from Pennsylvania to back to LAX. It was a whirlwind travel. It was a whirlwind weekend. It was my first weekend working as artist relations rep for New Neighbor Audio uh, back then. And I was trying to do all this outreach stuff. I was demonstrating. I was going here, there and everywhere. And that was really the only opportunity I got to just have this total reckless abandon moment with, with the guitar and some pedals and just have a ball. And the fact that people responding it and the fact that this is your first memory and it still sticks with you is, is really, really amazing to me. Uh, because I had a lot of fun doing that. I just got to say, Screw it. It's time to, you know, F some shiz up. So <laughs> it was Yippee. really cool. And it's it's even cooler because it's it was recorded. So like, yes, I went back and watched it s several times. I'm like, yeah, this is as cool as I remember it. So I'll, I'll put the link in the show notes for everybody to go check that out. But it was a, it was a good time. It was Thanks, a really good man. time. It was a good time. I met a, you know, that was one of the, my first weekends of really feeling like I really could belong in this business. Uh, and I had been trying to work in it and make a living in it for five years at that point, but met so many great people, people I'm still in contact with today, people that I'm still doing business with today. So it's pretty awesome. Yeah, that was, I still felt like a little bit of a fish out of water at that point, even up until when we left. Hmm. I, I, I still was like, I don't know if I belong here. It wasn't until my second year going to Nam that I really started feeling like, okay, I I'm part of this, this thing now at first yeah. I was still very much like, I feel like I'm wedging myself into somewhere where I'm not that I wasn't wanted. It was very welcoming, but it was like mm -hmm. where I don't necessarily belong. <laughs> right. Yeah. It was very I, strange. You're, you're definitely not wrong in your assumptions and your experience. Cause I, I had very much the same experience and that's me even saying with my first year going to Nam, actually working at a booth, um, mm -hmm. Nam is just one of these things that when it's your first year, uh, ironically us talking about it and there's not going to be one in January, uh, this coming January, but it's one of those shows and our industry is such that the way that our industry chooses to congregate, it's sensory overload in the purest definition of the phrase you are bombarded by visual and aural phenomena and different people from different walks of life from countries all over the planet. And 
at the end of the day, this one thing brings us all together, but it is a total mind melting experience that the first time you're there, you have a plan. That plan goes out the window the minute <laughs> you walk into the convention center. You just yeah. you're not you're not going to to be able to do what you thought you were going to do. And so it takes it takes a good couple of years for you to really get a groove and it, and it takes a couple of years for you to actually start to network with these people that you meet and and get into these these circles to the point where, you know, maybe your third year down the road, it doesn't matter who who you are, you've probably met people a fair few times, talked online a bunch and a handshake just isn't good enough. It's it's hugs all around. Yeah, and it's I mean, like I said, it's very welcoming. It's not like it's not like people are like looking over their shoulder going, "Who's this guy? What's he doing here?" It's it's not that at all. It's just there's so much to take in and it's such a different thing from regular day-to-day activities that and it's just like what yeah what yeah and it's, and it's hard to explain it's really hard to explain without tr- having truly but the, but the the, the hard the difficulty in explaining it is what makes it so beautiful yes yes yeah my dad keeps saying that he would like to go and i i just know him like you know mm. he doesn't like the crowds at disneyland He's he's somebody who would like to be on a mountaintop somewhere by Mm -hmm. himself. That's his thing. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, you say you want to go do this, but I know that you are going to hate it every second (laughs) of it. (laughs) Like, I know that for a fact. He was even there uh, in Anaheim one year, like my whole family came down and we did the Disneyland thing after Nam was over. And it was, I think, the second year it was probably the second year i think it was when we had like the pizza party and stuff right and and all these people showed up to the pizza parlor and my dad's just kind of hanging out in the back he's like who are all these people i'm like <laughs> well it's listeners of the podcast and industry people and you know youtubers and uh, there's all kinds of different people here he's just like what are they doing here with you <laughs> you <know? laughs> I'm like, I know it's very strange. It's very strange. I get it. Hashtag bruised ego. Yeah. I was like, well, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know either. (laughs) If I'm being honest, I'm not sure. I love it. I love it. But let's get into you a little bit. So you've, you've got a deeper history in this stuff than I do. And you've been around for a while and done a lot of different things. So let's start with when you started playing guitar and what, what has kind of led you to this path that you've been down? Sure. Um, I've told this story before, but I have no time, uh, no problems telling it again. Uh, I started playing guitar at the age of 11. And the reason I did is twofold. It was Jimi Hendrix and it was Hulk Hogan. Uh, I grew up a huge professional wrestling fan and remain a professional wrestling fan to this day. Uh, so much so in this pandemic era, I've started my own wrestling podcast, but that's completely separate from the story. Uh, at the time, Hulk had turned heel. He's a bad guy, for those who don't know the lingo. And he was using Voodoo Child as his ring entrance music. And I'd just be watching the TV and just like, oh my god, this is the coolest song ever. What 
is this? I have no idea. And at the time, you couldn't get the music that was on wrestling. No CDs were really available of it. And then all of a sudden, one day, my dad's driving me to school, and there on the stereo, blaring it loud, is the, I hear the riff. I'm like, Dad, where did you get Hulk Hogan's song? And he turns to me, he's like, son, (laughs) this is Jimi Hendrix. And we were just listening to the song on the way to school that morning, just on repeat. And that combined with the fact of, you know, that was the heyday of TRL on MTV and rock music videos were actually being played at the time. I was getting exposed to all this different kinds of heavy metal, like new metal, obviously, for that era. But there was something attractive about all those ingredients coming together and really starting with Voodoo Child. And so I started lessons at age 11. Uh, fast forward to age 14, I'm playing in front of a audience for the first time on stage, and that was my... Uh, that was my epiphany. That was my uh, my come to Jesus moment, I guess I could say. Of yep, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. Me and this guitar are going to find a way in the world together and do something. And I had to fight for that throughout high school. I went to a fairly prim and proper private school in the valley that really wanted every student to go to a you know four-year university and that just wasn't the path that i saw for myself i uh, found myself at the musicians institute in hollywood california of course where uh you know a lot of famous folks have gone and come out of and made successful careers uh fellow youtuber pete thorne being one of them Shredmaster Paul Gilbert being another who was a both of them big inspirations to me. I spent uh, three years there doing the guitar program, the music business program, and the audio engineering program, just trying to absorb as much stuff as I possibly could uh, because I just I wanted it. I wanted to know more, and that experience gave me the knowledge of the instrument how to make a record, how to market a record, how to network within this business, how to be a person in the music business, essentially. And uh, it gave me a a relationship with a woman who eventually became my wife. And we are business partners. We're life partners. We are music partners. Uh, I owe a lot in my life to my three years at Musicians Institute. It was an experience I will never trade for any amount of money or any other higher degree. I got the education that I knew would make me, it would make me marketable and attractive to people that could give me work in this business. Um, Then 2008, 2009 happened. In that downturn, no jobs in the music industry, no jobs anywhere, really. Uh, But I was starting to pick up a few different session uh, gigs in L.A. when I was still living there. I worked with a hip-hop producer from time to time up there, which was a really intense learning experience because I did not grow up listening to hip-hop. I did not really like hip-hop that much. 
but he gave me a lot of creative freedom to try out new things on the instrument, but he was also open enough to listen to my ideas of, of what a guitar part could be within the context of his music. And the other challenging thing about that was, is I would just walk in with a cable and a guitar and a tuner and he would plug me in direct and I would be playing direct with no effects, no amp sim, nothing on the guitar, but pure unadulterated DI guitar sounds. That's so talk, rough. <laughs> talk about a learning experience, man. That just, man, I wish we were still working together today, but after a couple of years, we just, it wasn't that we fell out of contact. We were still in touch, but he had some life things come up that he needed to take care of. And I had some life things come up that I needed to take care of. But that was another great learning experience. And I suppose now we should make the long story already long shorter by fast forwarding to the YouTube thing, huh? I, uh, I don't know. You tell me. There might be some critical details in there we need. I'm okay. interested in all of this. All right. Well, if you're interested in all of it, I, I, will, I will go into all of it. So in 2013, I had a very rough year. In January, I did something stupid and I was pulled over and arrested and I was got a DUI. That period of time was a really, really dark period for me because it was a lot of societal, familial and, you know, professional woes combining with this very intense experience wondering what am I doing with my life? Why did this happen to me? Why did I let it happen? Why could I have been so stupid? Am I going to be able to recover from this? But the amazing thing about the experience is I spent a lot of time just meditating and, you know, praying about it and being with my guitar. And the happiest moments of that dark period for me were spent with the instrument. And it was through that period that I realized that because I had gotten so ingrained in this, like, get a job, work 30 to 40 hours a week, you have your one day of rehearsal, you book your gig, and you play maybe one gig every two months, this kind of, like, not being fully in it, not being fully present within my musical journey, I had gotten into scenes and befriended the wrong kind of people. Not to say that I, I became an alcoholic, because to this day, I'll have a beer every now and again, but I don't have an addictive personality. It was more, I wasn't aligning myself with the right kind of people to actually be successful within the industry that I wanted to be involved in. And so it caused this huge shift in my priorities where all of a sudden I found myself just every day throwing myself at the guitar no matter what, plugging something in. I had no knowledge of video before that year. And that year I spent time learning about cameras, learning about syncing audio and video properly, how to get great quality audio mated to a video presentation. And 
throughout that year, I started just kind of brainstorming these little ideas of what could I do? Because I had started a YouTube channel years before, but never really did anything with it. I had a couple videos up, but they weren't anything really special. But around that time, it was seeing the rise of guys like Andy at Pro Guitar Shop, looking at guys like Gear Man Dude, Rob Chapman, the viability of making a YouTube channel into something that could be more than just silly cat videos and clips of guys getting hit in the nuts was like becoming a thing. And so after the new year, 2014, things were starting to pick up. Nam was really good. I, I got my license back and I was just in such a better mindset but I had lost my job and I needed something to occupy my time. So I started experimenting with demos and videos and eventually out of that dark period was where I birthed the idea of Stompbox Saturday, a weekly pedal demo show focusing on stuff that I was either interested in, owned and loved, or concepts and ideas of what you could do with pedals. Somehow I've been able to, after that, turn it into a job for the most part, <laughs> uh, turn it into something that I'm meeting people in this business. I'm, I touch a guitar every day, man, for my job. Like that's what I do for a living. I can write musician on my tax forms and that shifting of priorities, that just being very thankful for what I have being grateful for what I have and just wanting to be something that people can look to, to help them in their musical journey. And then also it's an, it's a way for me to help the 14 year old boy that I was that just loved this gear and thought all this stuff looks so cool, but had so little access to it trying to give something back to that kind of person who doesn't have access and is going to be honest and is always going to try to provide some sort of good musical context for this stuff. And, uh, well, I think that leads us up to today, pretty much. <laughs> that was a good story. Oh, it's, uh, that provides me a lot of uh, like details. Because, you know, my perspective was I saw you at the thing the one night and I was like, Oh, he does the YouTube thing. This is what he does. Mm -hmm. And like, there's a lot, I knew there was more to the story cause we're about the same age. So yeah. I knew that that couldn't possibly be the, the full extent of it. You didn't just wake up a YouTuber one day. Sometimes a, I you know. wish I did. And then on other days, I'm so glad I didn't. Yeah. Well, I've been pushing into that realm lately and, I'm like, man, I already had a respect for people who do that kind of content creation because <laughs> I, I kind of had an idea of of what it takes to do it. But man, this month has been just brutal. <laughs> or this last month, rather. Yeah, this is man. the first day of the month. I, I was like, hope. man, this is so intense. But it's, uh, it's yeah. working. But man, it was so much to do. Yeah, <laughs> so man. Much I, to deal I with. give you a lot of credit for wanting to get in on that. And, you know, you've got a family. You've got you know, your podcast, but podcasting and, and YouTubing are two 
similar but separate worlds, you know, and even for me, like I don't have kids yet. I don't have any pets. I just have myself, my wife, my house and all these other things to take care of. But then it's like, how do I balance doing the YouTube thing? But then it's like, I have this band cockeyed optimist for those, any of you curious enough to go listen to our stuff. Like we want to release new music, but then it's like, how do we release new music in this era? How are we going to move forward? And then there's other legal things with, with the band that we're trying to figure out between old business relationships, new business relationships, it's a constant juggling act because at the at the core of everything we do is is music. There's no ifs ands or buts about it, but it's a it's a balancing act, and it, it's very hard sometimes to do it well. It actually took me, and I think I've talked about this on a few episodes lately, but it took me a few years to actually wrap my head around the fact, even after I had quit my job. To, to wrap my head around the fact that I am a part of the music industry. It was like, oh, no, I'm, I'm part of the gear industry. And then it's like, no, you are part of, which is part of what? You know, the mm. music industry, right? right? Like, it took me a long time to be able to, like, figure that out. It wasn't until I started interviewing, like, a little more, like, artists and doing, like, some backstage stuff. It was like, oh, this, oh, no, you are in the music industry. Mm. And... That is not actually something that I ever thought was possible for me growing up, which is a, kind of a different path than what you took. We were like, this is where I'm going to work. I never even <laughs> thought it was an option. Yeah. <laughs> so um, it's, it's, it's a weird, weird business, and it doesn't get any less strange the more I, I get into it. It gets, gets more strange. Bro, the deeper you get in, the weirder it gets. The weirder it gets. I've been... Let's see, I'm what, 32 now? Yeah, 32. I really think that I started my professional career at 18 because uh, I was just, I w even when I was at, at MI, I was trying to do stuff. But you meet people that just blow your mind and then years later you find out things about people that just disgust you. It, you do a lot of things for free to get some ex some experience you do a lot of things for very little pay because you just need that at that moment in time you take a lot of gigs that aren't great and then you take gigs that are great it's uh the experiences are they're just strange man but they're <laughs> they're just some make for some really great campfire stories. Others that are like, eh. I'd, I wish I could forget that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I wish I could forget that. I don't have any of those yet. Mm. Uh, knock on wood, I won't have any, hopefully. But uh, so far, I, I have some some decent campfire stories, but that's about, about the extent. Of course, they end up be usually being on the podcast, so people have heard them before. <laughs> so... Welcome that to Tone Mob, the Campfire Stories podcast. You know, I, I, I've had, I've wrestled with this show for for the last few years, not in like changing the format or anything like that, more in the managing expectations of what new listeners are going to experience. Mm. Because in the very early ages 
ages. Stages. <laughs> that makes more sense. In the early ages. Um, in the in the early stages, I thought it was going to be much more focused and much more like, well, tell me about the pickups in your Telecaster, which it mm-hmm. is. We do do that. But we also don't do that. Uh, right. Sometimes at all. And I, I, I changed the description here, uh, I don't know, probably like three or four months ago to something that I feel like is a lot more accurate. But I wonder how many people have tuned in like, I can't wait to listen to this Guitar Gear podcast. And it's like, why are they talking about aliens? Like, what's going on right now? <laughs> why are they right. talking about Batman or Hulk Hogan or whatever? And so it's, I don't want to change that. I don't want to change how I do the show, but it is it is a bit of a struggle when people think they're tuning into a guitar only podcast. And uh, right. I don't really know what to do about it. I don't feel like I can change the name. It's kind of a thing at this point. Uh, I don't know. I guess I'll just keep trying. I, so I, I've like I kind of have started saying that the tagline of the show a little different. It used to be like I would say the show about guitar tone, and the people behind it. And I still say that. But sometimes when I know we're going to get into other subjects like this one, I, mm-hmm. I do the other thing where I say, we talk about guitars sometimes. <laughs> so, <laughs> this is definitely uh, one of those sometimes episodes. Yeah, because we have something very specific that I brought Sean on for, not just because I wanted to talk about our mutual history and all the stuff we've already discussed, but there's a there's an issue going on that is impacting you currently and could potentially impact everyone in the US. Indeed. Uh, and I guess we should probably, you know, shed some light on it because I wasn't actually really aware of it until you started talking about it. So right. Well, spoiler is a good to, segue. Spoiler alert to everybody watching. We're not actually going to talk about the election. So there you go. <laughs> that's uh, not what we mean. That is, that, not, is enough. that is not the thing that's going to affect uh, everybody in the uh, in the United States, though it it, it, it will. Uh, so it's not a, it's not an area we can we need to comment on. Right. I guess that's that's not right. It. And I want to preface this before we we get into it by saying my stance on what I'm going to be presenting to everybody and talking with Blake about comes from no party angle. I am coming at this from a musician, an independent musician, and someone that has come up in the music business and feels like this is a this is a problem for the potential growth of music, but then also the potential fostering of the music business with a with new crops of of talent and new crops of you know people within the business and mostly related to performances not necessarily gear completely different idea so here in california back in september of last year wow it's been a year god damn it's been a year that i've had my stomach in knots because of this um last september a, an assembly bill was signed into law by our, our governor, Gavin Newsom, uh, called Assembly Bill 5. And Assembly Bill 5, shortened to AB5, uh, is basically a piece of legislation presented to the by the California Assembly and signed into law that redefines how companies look at the worker, independent contractor, 
contractee relationship, basically setting new rules and regulations for how a company can hire independent contractors. And essentially, what it says is that independent all workers must be treated as employees uh, of a company unless they meet the qualifications of this three-prong test that they call the ABC test. And the basic way that I can sum up the ABC test is this. A worker, so let's just say a, a guitar player, since we're guitar players here. A guitar player must be treated as an employee of a hiring entity unless the follow they are the following. The guitar player is able to control their own time and working arrangements. That the guitar player is doing a service that is outside the hiring entity's line of business or, and, because it has to meet all three, the guitar player regularly performs the same type of service for other businesses. So why is that concerning for us as musicians? At the end of the day, what many of us musicians were upset about is that that B prong of the ABC test, doing a service that's outside the company's line of business. Basically, dude, our greater business is music. We're all musicians at performing with other musicians and working with other musicians. We all are in the same business because that's, you wouldn't hire a, a tile installer for showers and bathtubs to perform guitar parts on your recording. You're just not going to do that. You're going to hire someone who knows how to play the guitar in the genre that you're looking to record. And so successfully, the music industry lobbied for an exemption to AB5, which was recently signed into law. Uh, that's AB2257, uh, I believe is what it is. Um, pardon me, because I'm going to be referencing some articles I have pulled up because I want to make sure I'm presenting this information to you all as accurately as I possibly can. Yeah, AB2257. The challenge now, though, is that even with this exemption for musicians to AB5, the initial pushback and why so many people are fighting against it is that the AB5 was intended to be something that would fight back against app businesses like Uber, Lyft, DoorDash that legislators are claiming are not treating their workers correctly, not giving them what they feel that they are due. And in many cases, that is that is true. I'm not saying that Uber, Lyft, DoorDash, I'm not saying those companies are sainted and should be lauded as such. But this takes away a lot of the freedoms and adjustability of being able to work how you see fit within the gigging economy. Furthermore, when AB5 was first signed into law, there were up to 40 different professions that were immediately exempted from the legislation. What makes that even worse is that when you look at the list of professions that were exempted from AB5 right out of the gate, you could very easily follow the money. 
very easily see, oh, because this profession makes a lot of money, they have the people to be able to uh, fight this stuff and they're not worried about it. Like what, for example? Well, like doctors, lawyers, big time money professions that have deep pockets within their lobbies to be able to fight for their ability to keep making money the way and keep working the way that they've been working. But if you're an independent musician, you don't have that kind of deep pocketbook. We're not represented necessarily by a union as independent musicians. And a lot of us as independent musicians don't join the union by choice because we like the freedom of being able to take gigs that just are fun to us or interesting to us. We don't necessarily care if we're getting paid a a union rate for something. We're just happy to be trying new things and doing new things and and having fun. And wasn't that was, another pr- part of the bill as well? Like a, a that employer. You correct me if I'm wrong because I'm just kind of going off of like the no. little clips I've seen here and there. So hey, we're here to have a conversation about this. So yeah. let's do it. Yeah. So isn't that part of the deal? Like the we haven't really referenced like why this is such a big issue. It gets to like say the the quote unquote employing entity or the contractor not the contractor the contractee um has to treat certain employees like or excuse me certain contractors like employees now in that they would have to provide health insurance or whatever the idea which which is a solid idea i understand why that would be right. something that some like uber and lyft would you know should probably be accountable for but then what that would do is to say like some guy who wants to hire you to play on a couple tracks at his studio, mm-hmm. he's just going to be like, well, I'm just not going to call you then because I don't right. have that kind of money. Like I'm and just that, not going to. And that kind of is the thing and, and something that I should have, have articulated earlier is that the idea is really to make sure that if a worker is working like they are an employee of a company, that they have access to these benefits that they could potentially uh, be getting as an employee. It all stems from a a case in the California Supreme Court uh, resulting from delivery drivers for a company called Dynamex, uh, basically being hired on as employees, then switched to being an independent contractor and they had the benefits and then the benefits got taken away. Um, and even that, some of the details are starting to become murky. And I'm I'm learning things about that court case that I don't really want to get into right now because I don't fully understand them. But to me, the problem with AB5 is that it effectively guts the gig economy, which the music business originated. And right. Right now, especially with COVID-19 and the fallout and seemingly no end in sight to half the things being closed in our areas and not really being able to get much relief from the government when they're telling a lot of people that, nope, sorry, you can't work. There's a high degree of probability that a lot of people could, to pick up a little extra cash right now, they can drive for Uber, DoorDash, whatever. Writers can submit articles 
working from home and they can submit them to publications all over the country, all over the world if they wanted to. It started out just with this. It's taking one situation where one type of worker was exploited and trying to apply that situation to the entire basis of a contractor relationship with a company. And having worked in this business for 12 years of my life, 14, 12, 12 to 15 years of my life, I can honestly tell you that the I have never once in this business felt like I was treated, I have felt treated unfairly, but I have always taken gigs that if the gigs were taken for free, I took it as I'm, it's a learning experience. If I got paid a small amount for the gig, it was kind of like, well, it's a small gig. Like, how much do I really ex- think I'm going to get paid? But more recently, with a lot of my YouTube stuff, you know just as well as I do, we work with gear companies on a regular basis, and and it's we work with all of them. It's a mm-hmm. it's a it's a reciprocal relationship. It's symbiotic. We quote them a rate. If, if that's good for them, they pay us. If if it's not, if it's too high of a rate for them, they hit us back with a counter offer. We negotiate. But at the end of the day, reciprocal. It's all a work in process, and it's all about the relationship. To me, what a lot of this does is it kills that ability for workers and companies and service providers to communicate. And it creates a really gray area where, full stop, one of the exemptions uh, under the original AB5 was for marketing professionals. Well, Sean decided to make some new business cards for himself before the 2020 (laughs) NAMM show. And if you happen to receive one of those business cards from Sean, it says digital content marketing. I'm a guitar player, but this YouTube stuff that I do is viewed by many companies as marketing tools. So... I just decided, hey, you know what? My material that I create in video and visual form is marketing content. So I'm a digital marketing provider. And although that's not a a gross uh, overreach and loophole, it's still a loophole that I had to take advantage of to make sure that I was covered. Um, Now there's, with the exemptions, it's... It's a little easier, but it's still not it's still not right because there's a lot now under this new exemption that musicians have gotten. There's you know new rules that we have to contend with that really to me still outline that nobody in the legislature really took into consideration a lot of the things that many independent musicians were uh were voicing their concerns about uh there's caps on like studio musicians that don't have any sort of uh uh say in getting royalties off a sound recording uh have to be treated as employees in order to be paid like normal wages and overtime wages it's like dude we work in recording studios sometimes 12 to 16 hour days and we do not give a rats how long it takes to get the record right. 
We do it because we love it. We do it because that is what the song and the record demands. We put in long hours. We work weird hours. We do not live within the same nine to five world that the majority of the world works in. Sometimes we work 12 a.m. to 9 a.m. and go to sleep at 11 a.m. Sometimes we work 6 p.m. to 11 p.m. and get nothing done, take two hours of a break, and then come back for more. Some days we're not stopping working, but it's just because you can't apply this kind of idea to an art form. You cannot place this this ruling to a business that is solely reliant on people's creativity. It, it goes to the argument of art versus commerce. Like, how do you make money off of art? It, it and it blows your mind. Just ah, uh, I'm sorry. I'm getting a little hot right now with this. <laughs> so I did let's more back up a little bit. So there's yeah. there's there's a couple of things I think that we haven't really talked about fully go ahead yeah so so we talked about like what triggers this like what qualifies somebody in 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 accordance with ab5 what qualifies somebody as an employee but we haven't really discussed exactly what that fully means so we've talked about it potentially meaning benefits or overtime but there's an isn't there another prong to it involving unions if i'm not mistaken well you know, this is really where we can start to get into this is where we can get into weeds as to the the union aspect of it, because there's a lot of I'm telling you, people, there's so much about this online. And I highly, 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 highly recommend that you go do the research yourself. Do not take my word on this as gospel. Do the research for yourself, but use this conversation as a jumping off point. There is evidence to suggest that the the legislative person the assemblywoman who wrote this Lorena Gonzalez is a former labor organizer and a former union representative there is evidence to suggest that the money that gets contributed to her campaigns from these or labor organizations influences the legislation that she writes there is evidence to suggest that union membership is not exactly as high as it once was. There is evidence to suggest that a lot of the people in our age group, Blake, are very happy working in the gig economy, but there's a lot of tax money, there's a lot of union dues, and a lot of other fees and things left out on the table that all these different government and labor organizations could potentially have access to. I'm not saying that that's really what's going on, but the evidence is presented there for people to draw their own conclusions on it. So one could say that one of the goals of AB5 is to try to bolster union enrollment, and that's very possible. And look, unions have done a lot of great stuff for the worker since... God, the Industrial Revolution began. Um, I've seen research recently and articles recently saying that this ABC test is really not much different than uh, 
than legislation introduced back in the 1930s during the Great Depression for factory workers. So this isn't anything necessarily new, but it's being presented in, in, a, in a new way that could have it could have some impact on how much tax money governments get because now some of these uh now some of these uh independent contractors are having to start corporations to you know be able to continue working as they are and uh well maybe there'll be more people that if they do get hired on as employees that the unions will have a larger a larger I guess I could say market share is a is a phrase that we we know. And uh, like I said, I'm not saying that that's exactly what's going on. That's just the theory that is posited out there. Um, for me, I know one of the reasons why I don't want to join the union is I've been a member of two in my life. And the first one I had to join at age 16 when I went to go work as a bag boy at the local grocery store. I'm 16 years old. What do I have to join a union for? I'm living with my parents. Like, what? why do I... I had to pay money to join. I had to take money out of my paycheck every week to go towards union dues. And then when I stopped working at the grocery store, I had to pay an exit fee. Which an exit just, fee? Really? Yeah, yeah. They took money out of my last paycheck as an exit fee. I, that's and a new that was, one. I have not, and I've not heard of that before. I've talked to so many people about that, and and the response is always the same. How did that happen? <laughs> I have no idea. I was 16 years old. I didn't know how this stuff worked. And then the second union I was a part of, it's like cool. We get, uh, we get like fr I worked at a theme park. We got free meals provided for us, which was awesome because uh, the theme park's catering was actually pretty good. Um, so there were definitely some good things and it, it, it makes sure that you get, you know, your proper wages. It makes sure that you get paid uh, time and a half overtime. Holiday pay is double uh, your normal rate. There are good things that unions do, but in terms of how I run my business, I just enjoy the ability to set my, my fee and set my rate and all that stuff. And I feel pretty good about it. I, I don't ever feel like I've been taken advantage of as far as doing the gear work has been concerned. Um, but what I think we really need to touch on before we really, really get out of the realm of this is what really is the potential impact for the rest of the country and not just in California. Um, what a lot of people don't know, and I actually uh, shout outs to Andrew and Emily over at the Get Offset podcast, because this was one of the first places that I got to talk about this with them. Uh, the ABC test is presently in a piece of legislation called the Protect the Right to Organize Act, also known as the PRO Act. Um, I believe it passed the House of Representatives and is being stalled in the Senate at the moment. And that ABC test, with all of its potential to confuse what constitutes an independent contractor or an employee and has caused so many businesses in California to either leave California or 
just fight for exemptions to this ABC test is not verbatim taken from a from AB5, but with a few different changes in the language, it's all there in the PRO Act, and there will be no exemptions to that. So at the state level, you have exemptions, but at the federal, you would have no exemptions. So this is one of those things where we find ourselves between a rock and a hard place. We're in an election year. The pol- the political landscape is polarizing. You have to pick a side or you're on no- on nobody's side. You can't have a, f- a balanced view of politics in this country, it, it seems. But for me, a lot of this legislation is being written by the Democratic Party, a party that says that it is all for the people. That's the rhetoric that they love to tout these days and that the Republican Party is all about the rich people and all about the the super wealthy and protecting them and giving them all this stuff. In California, our most vocal allies against AB5 and ones fighting to protect a person's right to be able to earn a living as they see fit within the realm of legalities, of course, are all Republicans. And so you're left with this very confusing thing because watch the TV. You you know, you can draw your own conclusions about, you know, politicians and whatnot, but it's, it, these kind of things make for strange bedfellows, man. It, it just blows my mind that we're at this situation right now between AB5, the PRO Act, COVID, the election coming up. I, didn't, I don't want to make this a politics podcast because God knows I hate it. But, you know, I just want everybody listening to understand that this is a, this legislation and the potential ramifications for it has nothing to do with whether or not you're a Republican or a Democrat. It has to do with whether or not you have the ability to work and earn a living as you always have been able to. I've had to modify the way that I communicate and present myself to companies in order to comply with this. In order to do things that I was able to do last year at this time, And if we don't have any kind of exemption to be able to work as the music business, as we always have, even now with our exemption, we still have rules that just don't make that much sense within the greater sense of, well, within the greater picture of the music industry. The, the, Sometimes it's really hard to find the proper words to talk about this. <laughs> well, I this is kind of my viewpoint on the whole thing. You know, I think it could be framed as, you know, something that was put in with somewhat malicious intent by some people. I think some people would like to frame it uh, with that in mind. I kind of view it as something that was done to help protect people that have been abused 
but like I mean, you know, that's not cool. Like, hey, you're, we're going to hire you. Here's your medical benefits. Just kidding. Like, that's dirty. Right. Um, right. And I think this was put in with the idea that it's going to help protect people. But like government generally does, it's painted with this big, broad brush that didn't account for all of the nuances and all the different details of people's situations. Exactly. And, and that's what's happened and what what uh, that's what government loves to do. And like I said, I think it is easy to frame it as like, oh, this is a nefarious attempt by so and so to subvert this or subvert like that's what the 2020 rhetoric would be on either side of the equation, right? <laughs> but oh, oh, yeah. I think what's really going on is is just what government does is yeah, they overstep their boundaries and then they have to backpedal to try to actually fix the mistake they've made. Yeah. I do think something and, like this needs introduced in some way or fashion, but it needs to account for different people's situations. Yeah, and that's really what you just said hits the nail on the head. It, it's the wide, grand, sweeping declaration that says that all professions as an independent contractor must be governed this way. And it's like, hi, I'm not an Uber driver. Hi, I'm not a... I, I'm not a journalist. I'm a musician. And every business has a different way of operating with its employees and its contractors. It's very possible that let's just use an example of a company that we both love chase bliss audio. Cause we both get stuff from Joel and Joel is amazing to us. And we both love Joel. By the way, I haven't watched the CXM 1978 video. That's going to be the thing that I do after we get done with this. Uh, this podcast Joel brought to you by Audio, by the way. There you go. There. <laughs> <laughs> love it. Love you, Joel. Thanks for the yep. preamp. I love it. Um, so Joel hires us to make video content. Joel hires me to make video content related to his newest release. Joel sends you monetary help as a sponsor of your podcast. Even within these two realms, we have very different business relationships with, with Joel. Very different relationships with the company. I provide one aspect of content. You provide, he provides another sort of relationship with you. you we each have different ways of reciprocating the relationship. We can't necessarily, because we're two individuals with two different types of content, apply the same governance of the relationship. Even right. at that most basic level, we can't have a sweeping declaration of everything. And I will say, I do not work with every pedal company that I work with the same way. Everything is constantly evolving and everything is changing on a, on a weekly basis. Some companies, yeah, they, they pay me to make a video for them. Great thing about it is they let me say whatever I want about the stuff and that is awesome. Then I work with another company that pays me to do something very demonstration talk about the features, play the sounds, and that's it. No opinion, just presentation. Other companies don't pay me money, but I get product in return. And that's fine. I am okay with this ability to do that. 
I don't need the government to tell me that Joel needs to give me health insurance. It's like I get one pedal from him maybe a year. Why would he do that? I'm not there on a daily basis. <laughs> well, and for yeah. me, you know, and with different companies, you know, like you said, different things, different relationships, different situations. I've got sponsors of the podcast. That's a thing. But I also yep. have companies that I work directly with, you know, on retainer as a consultant for. Right. You know, sometimes I'm talking to them about marketing. Sometimes it's product development. So then am I exempt for one conversation, but not the other? Right. Like, you know, like it gets really murky really fast. And I am not an employee of any of these people, but I become an integral part of their company in a different way. If mm -hmm. I wanted the health insurance from them, I would have already negotiated that. <laughs> we would yeah. have already and, figured that and, out. And by the way, on the subject of health insurance, yo, Obama, thanks for Obamacare because we get great health coverage through the Affordable Care Act. Just, just saying, like, I, if you really want health insurance, it is available for you, people. Like, you can afford it. Trust me. I am a working musician, not making amazing money, and I can still get affordable health care. So, hashtag thanks, Obama. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, mean it this just, time. <laughs> yeah, and I really do mean it this time. My health insurance is is fantastic, but it's like, dude. When you are your own boss, you have so much freedom, so much freedom to decide. Like today, I woke up at 9.30 a.m., couldn't sleep anymore, started looking up some stuff on a, on all this stuff to you know kind of remember certain details, look up some new details and prep for this conversation. Uh, I probably won't be starting actual work until maybe 3 p.m. today. Uh, I have a live stream later on my YouTube channel uh, that I'm going to be doing. And I'll probably actually, quote unquote, work maybe a total of four hours today. Um, but tomorrow could very well be a 10-hour day. But you know what, man? I love it. It is the schedule for me. It's a bit of a pirate lifestyle in a way. There's a lot of adventure in it, but there's also a lot of, there's a lot of wounds as well. But <laughs> I wouldn't trade it for anything. And that is why I am so adamant about this not being a thing for everyone. We should not the whether at the local, state or federal level no government should be telling every single business how to handle its relationships with its workers. There should be regulations for how an employee is expected to be treated, but there needs to be better education on what it really means to be an independent contractor. Because people, when you're an independent contractor, you're self-employed. You are your own boss. And guess what you can do as your own boss? do many of the things that the employer does and the employee can't. So write off your gas mileage. You know how much I write off a lot of money related to guitar strings, guitar picks, and other guitar-related stuff on my taxes every year because that's my business. Uh, there's a lot of things that you can do as your own boss being self-employed 
that I wouldn't be able to do if I was hired on on somebody's payroll. And unfortunately, one of the fallouts of AB5 is that they thought people are going to get hired as employees. This is going to be great. And they're probably hoping for the same thing with the PRO Act. Instead, in California, people's jobs got cut. People lost work that they'd been doing for years and loved. One website that even wrote a glowing endorsement for AB5. When it went into effect, it cut half its writing staff. And 200 some odd people lost their jobs as independent writers. That's, yeah. The the intended consequence did not necessarily happen and what we are left with now is especially with the pandemic going on trying to recover from it and in my opinion the only way we're going to recover from this period of time once once covid is no longer the pandemic level we're going to need to give every man and woman of working age every opportunity to be successful and work and earn a living as we possibly can. We are guaranteed as Americans the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And a lot of those, a lot of that in those three prongs comes from being able to have a job that we love that allows us to earn money to be able to provide for our families and have some fun and enjoy our life. I know for me that the music business and the sectors that I work in allow me to do those things, to live my life, to be able to have the freedom to work with whoever I want to work with and do the things that I want to do and be happy. And that's, it's really pressing on me right now to be some sort of positive force within our gear industry, be a positive force within music and help people realize just how much, how much power they actually have within themselves to be in control of their own destiny. But at the same time, just being happy And I don't, this has done nothing but cause me grief since I found out about it. I, and I don't want that for anybody else. And so I guess that's why it's become my cross to bear because I've experienced the the stomach knots and the wondering, am I going to have to move from California? Where am I going to go? Where am, how am I going to work? I don't know how this is going to be possible. What am I going to do? I don't want anybody to have to feel like me and my wife have felt over the course of this last year because, uh, because of this legislation. So I, I, that's really, I guess, one of the best ways I can, can sum it up is I just don't want any of you listening that this could potentially affect to affect you the way that is has affected me. Let me get the gray hairs for you. <laughs> well, you know, I think it's just important to get it out there because, like I said, you were the first person that I heard talk about it. Now it's starting to get some attention now that it's been on some bigger shows and things like that. But still, I don't think that I don't think your average American knows that 
that's that the pro act even exists to be perfectly honest and i don't blame them for it there's yeah no. so much to pay attention to try to pay attention to right now there's so much noise i understand why nobody would know about it because i didn't know about it and i exactly. try to pay attention to things that impact me especially that are going to impact my business this could directly impact my business and it shouldn't you know, this yeah. shouldn't be it shouldn't be the way that it is. Something needs to happen. Clearly, we can't have people getting abused. But yeah, this ain't exactly it. this ain't. It. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah. that's all there is to it. No, you're at, you're absolutely right. And that's exactly how I feel with it. We should be protecting people that are being that their employment is being abused, that their relationship with a hiring entity is being taken advantage of. We should be. But at the very same time, a musician is not a painter, a house painter. A, a musician is not a an Uber driver. Well, maybe on, on certain days they are and, and not on <laughs> others. Uh, but my point is you can't you can't look at every single possible profession in human existence, under the same lens because inevitably you're going to find something out of focus and we just we cannot do this to to anybody on any political party affiliation democrat republican green peace and liberty whatever your political part libertarian whatever your political party affiliation we cannot do this to the working american Everybody needs to have the ability to earn a living in the way that works for them. I feel like that's a pretty good place to uh, wrap this up. What do you think? You know, we could sit here for hours and talk about it. And no offense, Blake, I'm friggin' done with this one. <laughs> <laughs> I figured as much. You put a lot into it. So let's uh, let's do the the final things that we do on this show and we'll we'll wrap up this part of it. Sounds good to me. Okay. All right. First of all, put up your billboard. What do you want to say to the people? You've been saying a lot of things, but now's another <laughs> chance for you to say something different. Um, I want to say thank you for listening to my spiel um, and I hope that you all learn something and that you'll be curious enough to do the research for yourself. I believe in you as humans with brains and intelligence and love you dearly for that. Um, if you would like to support me in any way outside of this fight, uh, as Blake said, I am on the YouTubes every week. I have my pedal demo show stomp box Saturday. You can find me on YouTube at youtube.com slash Sean Pierce Johnson. I don't just do pedal demos. I do tons of other video content and I'm hoping to do a lot more in the future and not drive myself crazy. Um, I'm also on Instagram where you can go to at Stompbox Saturday if you want just pedal related nerdery or you can go to at Sean Pierce Johnson for more of the personal musical journey, maybe some little introspective stuff and uh, some, some pedal stuff related in that as well. Also, the thing that I would really love for people to check out um, outside of my YouTube channel is my band, Cockeyed Optimist. We're sort of a hard rock alternative metal band. Uh, 
We are on Spotify. We're on Apple Music, YouTube, Instagram, all the places. Uh, we've got new songs up on Spotify right now. Uh, you can also get some downloads from us. So check out our website, cockeyedoptimist.net, and that should be the hub for all the good things. Other than that, I think that's really all I need people to know and where I want them to go. All right. Perfect. Perfect. Okay. So here we go. We got our classic questions. We'll wrap this thing up. All right. What's your favorite boss pedal? Ooh. Well, I'm going to go with my current favorite boss pedal, even though I have two. So I'll just say the two. My old favorite was my OC2 Octaver, not the OC2 uh -huh. Octave, the OC2 Octaver. Uh, but my current favorite is my Super Phaser, which I got last year. And it's it's everything I could have hoped for. It's a Super Phaser. Hey, man, you know, growing up on Incubus, the, that Super Phaser, Mike Einziger had two of them on his board, and there was a reason. You know, I have never played the Super Phaser, i got to be honest. Oh, man. It's, I can't comment. It's good. I don't know. It's real good. And I like mine a lot because it got modified to accept DC instead of AC. Mm -hmm. uh, so I can use it with just about any power supply. And it also has a bright, bright blue LED, which is great. Very nice. Very nice. Okay. As if we didn't talk about anything, you know, well, I don't know. I really don't feel like what we talked about was all that controversial, actually. <laughs> I'm sure somebody <laughs> will make it controversial somehow. But well, of course, it's the internet after all. Exactly. So let's get real heavy. What uh -oh. is your favorite kind of pizza? Oh, no. Oh, no. Okay. I'll start with this. Okay. You know how Ben Franklin once said that beer is proof that God loves us and wants us to be happy? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I would argue we should add pizza to that equation. Okay. I'm down. I'm down with pizza, this. Pizza in all its forms is proof of the glory of God. How is it that all the great things could combine together, bread, meat, cheese, certain veggies, and all these different things, they come together in this beautiful amalgamation into a foodstuff. It's, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing. <laughs> um, but there's a lot of great pizza places near where I live. I'm 10 minutes driving distance from a pizza port in San Clemente. And Pizza Port makes some great pizza. I have a Chicago pizzeria, another 10-minute drive from me, and they are awesome. They got an awesome beer tap list. Um, unfortunately, right now, I'm, I'm kind of eating paleo, so I haven't been able to eat normal pizza. Mm -hmm. So here's I'll, I'll say my favorite pizza right now is the pizza I'm jonesing for right now. Okay. It's a Chicago deep dish with... Pepperoni, sausage, salami, bell peppers, onions, and jalapeno. Oh, yeah. I can do that. Okay. Yeah. I like that. That sounds good. That sounds but having But having said that, there's lots of great pizza. Explore it all, people. Even Dive in deep. <laughs> Special. Shots, shots fired right there. Yeah. <laughs> this podcast is over. We're done. Ah! <laughs> But we actually are done, so that's fine. Uh, yes. <laughs> all right, everybody. 
For Sean, this is Blake, and as always, folks, good luck and good tones. Okay, there you go, folks. Hopefully you enjoyed that episode. Hopefully it did something for you. That's always the goal with these things. And again, thank you so much for tuning in. I really, really appreciate it. If you need more content, please, please, please slide over to Patreon and check it out. I'm delivering an extra episode every week over there for just five bucks a month, and that five bucks goes a long, long, long ways over here. Trust me, it is extremely helpful, and I can't express enough how much I really appreciate the support. I really can't even put it into words. It's incredible. So please go over to Patreon, and if you can, you can get yourself extra episodes. If that's not in the cards right now, I totally get it. Please just share this show with Friends, share it with anybody you think might benefit from this. Heck, share it with anybody who may need to hear about the PRO Act. That could be anybody. Anybody at all. So please share this around. Every download seriously matters so much. And thank you so much for tuning in every week as you have for so long, so many of you. And if you're a new listener, thank you too. Your download is just as important. Thank you very much, and I hope you come back for more. I've got some more planned out. I'm going to have a bonus episode for everybody this week. I'm really excited to drop that one. And yeah, until next time, I think I'm just going to sign off. Take care of each other. Bye. One last thing before we totally sign off here. I just want to remind you that if you do any shopping at Stringjoy, that's Stringjoy Guitar Strings made in Nashville, that will help me out as well. As I've said for years, I'm heavily involved in that company, and I really do think they're making the best products on the market. So if you would like to try custom strings, go to ToneMob.com Stringjoy and check them out today. I seriously, seriously, seriously love what the team down there is doing. I help them out with all kinds of things, and by you supporting them, you are also supporting me as well. And hey, you need some strings So why not get some custom strings just for your guitar and playing style? Again, the link for that is ToneMob.com slash StringJoy, and that will take you right to their website, and you can do all your shopping through there, and that will help everyone involved out. So thank you very much. Talk to you next time. We are brought to you by the wonderful folks at Gun Street Wiring Shop. Yes, Gun Street Wiring Shop. I've talked about them before. I used to say based out of Bend, Oregon, but guess what? Sean moved to my neck of the woods. Sean's in Portland. Sean is awesome and has helped me with a bunch of stuff lately. And if you have wiring needs for your guitar, he can help you too. If you want to get weird with it, he can get weird. If you just need to spruce things up a little bit, there's your guy. He takes all the guesswork out of doing your guitar wiring, and he makes it simple, and his customer service is top-notch, and I can't say enough good things about Gunstory as a company. I really respect Sean and what he's all about, and the product is top-notch. I've got three different guitars that now have Gun Street harnesses in them, and I could not be happier. So go to GunStreetWiringShop.com and check them out.